remain standing and turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings chapter 22. We'll read verses 41 to 53. 1 Kings 22 and verse 41. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of Shilhai, and he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Also, Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, the might that he showed and how he made war, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. There was then no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Ezi and Geber. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father. Then Jehoram his son reigned in his place. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. And may God... Add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you have spoken to us. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would speak to us now. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up, that you would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd. And hearing his voice, that we would know him and follow him and offer our lives to him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher in Jesus name amen be seated please more of the same some of you young folk will not know this reference but you can learn some culture today those of us that are a little longer in the tooth will well remember an old song not written, I don't believe, but by, but made very famous by the great singer Ray Stevens. The title of it was Along Came Joan. And if you remember that song, if you don't, you very easy with the miracle of the internet, you can just go look it up now, and you can expose yourself to it. But as the, uh, as the song went, this man was watching a, a western on uh, Channel 2. And there was this uh, villain named Salty Sam, and he was going to steal 
Sweet Sue's Ranch. He told her if she didn't give him the deed to her ranch, he would do various terrible things to uh, put an end to her earthly life. Well, uh, this uh, fellow, he, uh, he needed to get up and go make himself a snack, and he had gotten bored with the Western, and so he flipped the channel, and on the next channel, he found the exact same thing. Salty Sam was again going after Sweet Sue. Well, he'd had enough of that, so he flipped the channel, and he said the third time in the third verse, he said he flipped the channel, and there was the same old shoot 'em up and the same old rodeo. And when we come to a passage like this in 1 Kings 22, that may well be our reaction. This is just the same old shoot 'em up and the same old rodeo. This is the same story. Or we might say today, I've seen this movie before. I already know how it ends. We have been and are still actually in the middle of an extended look at Elijah and his successor, the prophet Elisha, which has given us some relief from seeing the same cycle of kings in Israel and Judah. And yet, we come to this passage now and we see that the southern kingdom of Judah, they have a good king. But it is documented that though he was good, he was certainly not perfect. Israel to the north, has a terrible king. It seems like just more of the same. So why take the time to study? Well, I'll give you three reasons why. First of all, it's God's word, and therefore it's profitable for us. Secondly, we are given this somewhat monotonous detail because it really did happen. The Bible tells us these things because it accurately reports the facts. But thirdly, you think about this. If God seems to us to be repetitive in what he has to say, it is because he knows that we need to hear it multiple times in order for the truth to sink in through our thick skulls. And hearts. The Lord gave us this passage, which seems to record more of the same. Same old, same old. Because 
there are lessons we must learn. So now let's look at this more of the same. First in this passage, we see King Jehoshaphat, and he is good but compromised. Good but compromised. Look at verse 41. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Chilhai, and he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Now, Jehoshaphat has already entered the record here in 1 Kings. We saw him in the previous uh, chapter when Ahab, king of the north, the wicked king that we've been studying for quite a while now, wanted Jehoshaphat to bring the southern uh, army, the kingdom of, uh, or the army of the kingdom of Judah into battle with him against Ramoth Gilead. But now we come to the standard formula that Kings gives us to summarize the reign of a king. And this is what we see about Jehoshaphat. It says in verse uh, 43, right in the middle, he did not turn aside from the ways of his father Asa, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So we see generally a positive assessment of Jehoshaphat. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, can't just put a period that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, leave it there and move on. We have to mention that nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. <coughs> For the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Jehoshaphat was a man committed to Jehovah, the Lord alone. He, unlike Ahab to the north, who reigned at the same time, he was not pushing Baalism. His in-laws were not pushing Baalism as Queen Jezebel had imported it from Phoenicia to the north. Down in the southern kingdom, Jehoshaphat was a godly man who only believed he was committed to Jehovah God. And thus he was a good king. But though he personally was committed to Jehovah, he did not put an end to certain idolatrous practices in the land. 
Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. So the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. This is certainly not the only time in Scripture we read that a king was generally a good and godly king, but he didn't wipe out, purge the land of all idolatry. He left some of these pagan shrines in place. But contrast what is said there at the end of verse 43 that he didn't take away the high places and shrines. Contrast that with what is said in verse 46. And the rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. Now it's been some time since we looked at a text in 1 Kings that mentioned those perverted persons. Without going into graphic detail, by way of reminder, these were male cult prostitutes. That was part of the worship of Baal and Asherah and other Canaanite idols. This was part of the religious service of these idolatrous religions. Prostitution at their shrines of this male variety. This was an incredibly heinous and repulsive thing. We read that Jehoshaphat got rid of them. The extremely distasteful elements of the idolatry. But he let the high places and shrines where ordinary people would stop and make an offering and burn some incense to an idol. He didn't do anything about that. But the super heinous and repulsive idolatry, he did run them off. Jehoshaphat is generally a good man. who fights heinous sins, but he compromises with what we might call respectable sins. He, in some ways, reminds one of people who have sat in liberal, mainline, Protestant churches for decades where the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is denied. 
has been denied for nearly a hundred years. Where the inspiration of Scripture is mocked and denied. Where any basic, orthodox, historical, Christian beliefs have been ridiculed. They've put up with that. But they will finally draw the line, some of them, when it comes to the issue of traditional Christian marriage between a man and a woman. And I certainly, as you well know, wholeheartedly agree with those who take a stand against compromise in the church. Church can only marry a man, one man to one woman who both believe in Jesus Christ and are committed to do so for life. But what does it say when you have put up with a denial of numerous biblical doctrines for decades and then suddenly take a stand on one issue? You're already gone. Jehoshaphat, he'll run the male prostitutes off because they're very heinous. But the respectable idolaters, we can tolerate that. We, we don't want to cause a rebellion. We've got to keep people happy. We read more of his compromise in verse 44, also Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Now for Israel and Judah not to be fighting and killing each other was a good thing. Peace is a blessing. There's a time for war and a time for peace. God had called on his people to make war numerous times. Jesus said when he came, I did not come to make peace but a sword. Nevertheless, Scripture does tell us it is a blessing of God not to be at war getting killed. So it is a positive thing to be at peace. But what we have already read in the previous chapter was that he did more than be at peace with Ahab and the northern kingdom. He made alliances with them. There's a difference between being at peace and being entangled. Now we know from what we read in uh, 2 Chronicles that Jehoshaphat's own son married the daughter of the northern kingdom, Ahaziah. 
from Ahab's line. And that nearly led to the extermination of the line through which Jesus would come into the world. If not by the intervention of God Almighty and an incredibly brave and wise lady. He thought it would be politically expedient for his family to intermarry this wicked family. Never mind the fact that this family were not Jehovah worshipers. They were Baals. Ahab's family worshipped Baal. But they're like us. The same kind of people came from the same background, and it would be a, a good political, financial move for us to marry these two families. Never mind that one is a believing godly family and the other's not. Ain't a religion that'll come around. Jehoshaphat was a lot like a great many of us. At the end of the day, there's a positive word said about him. He did trust the Lord. He did a lot of good things for the Lord. But he was compromised. Jehoshaphat, good, but compromised. Secondly, in this, finally in this passage, we see Ahaziah, who is pure, uncompromised evil. Look at verse 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel a sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. Now, there is much more said, uh, and most of it very positive, about Jehoshaphat. He, he did quite a number of very good things. Uh, we're, and that's recorded in Second uh, Chronicles. You can, you can read that. I'm not here to preach Second Chronicles today. We're looking at Kings, and Kings focuses on the fact that while he was a good king, he was compromised in certain areas. But Ahaziah, the king of the northern kingdom, son of Ahab, there's no compromise in him. There's no inconsistency, no nuance, no variation in him. He is 100% uncompromised, pure evil. He walked in the way of Ahab and his mother Jezebel. He made Israel to sin. He served Baal. He worshipped him. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. No asterisk, no parentheses, no footnote, 
You read about the good things Jehoshaphat did and you encounter that word, nevertheless. You know, it's going to go downhill from here. There's no nevertheless in Ahaziah. Nevertheless, he did something good. No. Pure, uncompromised integrity. And you notice in verse 53, it says something that we saw months and months ago of another wicked king. He provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. He provoked God to anger. Now the Lord tells us these things that seem repetitive because he knows we need this drilled into our minds and hearts. It is possible to provoke the Lord to anger. Ahaziah, he didn't believe. He didn't believe in Jehovah. He believed in Baal. He did not take this possibility seriously that he could provoke the Lord to anger. And yet he did. And the day came. He had to face the Lord who was angry at him and give an account of pure uncompromised evil the Lord tells us these things again and again because he knows it is hard for us to learn We have to hear it over and over. We have to hear over and over that in this world, the good kings and the good rulers are at best good but compromised. The worst are pure evil. He reminds us of that because his word tells us to put no confidence in princes but trust the Lord alone. He tells us that over and over again because we have a tendency to put confidence in princes and trust the rulers of this earth. It was true in Judah, in God's nation. It is true for pagan Gentiles. We 
want to put confidence in princes because we want to have hope in this world. But he reminded them of the failure of even their best ruler and the sheer evil of the worst. So they would be reminded and we would be reminded that there is a real king who is coming. And he is the only king worth your hope and your faith. These people needed a better king. And so do we. He came. Seven, eight hundred years after this, he came. And when he came, he was absolutely perfect. And the anger to which we have provoked the Lord by our sin, that anger all came on him. So we could be free from the anger to which we provoke the Lord and free from the sin that provoked him. And in his resurrection, he was declared to be the Son of God in power, the true descendant of David, the true king made an end of our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Until our king returns, there will be nothing in this world but more of the same. But a king, a real king, is at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he is coming. And until that day, everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he. There will be no more of the same when our King, Jesus Christ, comes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.